0: Jesus loves me. It's a verse we've memorized. It's a song we sing. And maybe if you grew up in church or Sunday school, you've learned about it your entire life. And yet, do we believe that? Like really, 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 truly believe that? Today, I'm super excited because we're going to talk about love beyond boundaries. And how Jesus personally pursued this woman. The woman we're talking about today is the woman at the well. And maybe if you've been even around this community for a little while or in service, church services, you've maybe heard this story. But I want to encourage you to spend the next few minutes with me because the Lord has given fresh revelation on this story. And so we're going to talk about four ways that he intentionally pursues the woman at the well. And you here today, friend. I'm so excited. So let's just dig straight in. Hey, friend, welcome to the Abundant Women Collective podcast. Do you want to grow in your faith and have an intimate relationship with Jesus? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals only to be overwhelmed and frustrated when you're way too busy and forgot to prioritize your time with him again? Hey, I'm Sam and I too was someone who craved a deeper relationship but was too busy to make it happen. I felt overwhelmed at trying to fit him in and wished I could be confident in my faith and identity. I wanted to read the Bible and actually understand what I was reading but I kept telling myself that I didn't have the time, the know-how, or the discipline or tools to make it happen until I found a little secret to get rid of the Christian checklist. In this podcast, you will find biblical truth, hope-filled conversations with women who are right where you are and all of the practical tools to implement so that you will be able to deepen your relationship with Jesus. So grab your coffee, Bible, and pen, and let's dig in. So if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've heard the sentence, Hopefully, Jesus loves you. The very true statement that Jesus loves you. John 3.16 is a verse that we see on billboards, on football players' helmets, on in-and-out drinks. We memorized it in Sunday school. We know it, right? But sometimes, sometimes there's a disconnect between our head and our heart. We think we know it, but do we believe it? Like truly believe it. Today, I want you to disconnect the smart part of your brain a little bit, disconnect the religion, the church, the hurt, because we are focusing all about relationship. Because if we do actually believe it in our heart, our mind, and our soul, then we live differently. Life looks different. So from my experience as a kids pastor, as a youth pastor, as a women's director, ministry person, I've heard this. And seeing this happen for, I would say, three main-ish reasons. One, you haven't experienced it for yourself. Like you haven't fully immersed yourself in the idea that Jesus loves you. You haven't experienced his love firsthand, not through someone else's religion, not through your parents' faith, not through anything firsthand experienced it for yourself. The second reason I often find is that sometimes we have something that's holding us back from allowing us to actually experience it and believe it. That something could be ourselves, our pride, parts of our person, right? Or it could be something from the past. It could be that we have dreams and they haven't come to fruition. So we're disappointed and we don't know that we can trust the God that we serve, right? So there's just something very general, something, And then the third one is sometimes, especially in today's world, we have a misconception of what love actually is because the, everyone's telling us their own definition of love. And so we're not actually sure. What is it? Is this, is this love is being treated this way? Love. Those are one of the three ways. I personally have experienced two of those misconceptions before, and they just, They have to do with parts of my story, which I'll share briefly, but somewhere down the line of my faith, I mistook the idea that my actions were exchangeable for his love. I got lost in this thinking that if I was a good girl, a good person, I did all the things right. Check, check, checklist Christianity, right? Then God was pleased and I was loved. What I misunderstood was sanctification, which is a fancy word for being set apart for seeking holiness for your life. But not out of a desire to be a good girl, but because of his love for you. It's your reaction to everything he's done for you. During that season that I had, um, there's a brief season between my grandpa dying because I had this mentality growing up. Somehow I attached this mentality to myself that I did all the things right, that I was a good girl. Jesus was pleased, right? But when I lost my grandpa, my senior year of high school, it felt like a punch in the chest. And it was a grief that I had never actually experienced before. And I thought, man, I did everything right. I did. I did all the things. I didn't party. I didn't drink. I was a good person. I loved, I really did love the Lord, but why am I still like, why is life still this way? If I'm doing everything right. Okay. That was sort of what I was dealing with then. And then it wasn't until a few years later that we had actually lost um two of our really close friends, family friends. We did life together. Um, I loved them dearly in a tragic way that actually the Lord captured my heart in a different way and brought me back to him. But during that season, between one grief season and the next, I was towing the line of the world and my faith. I still love God. That was never an issue. I still trusted that I loved God. Like I was saved since I was a kid, but I had lost, I don't know. I had lost, I guess, trust in him. And I had lost what it actually meant to be loved by God. And so because of that brief season, then I had the identity that I had become tainted. I had messed up. I had partied. I went to clubbing every weekend and I became the worst kind of hypocrite where I loved the Lord but on Friday, Saturday night, you could often find me not reading my Bible. Okay. But I had this, um, idea that maybe somehow my sins were greater than his death on the cross because it must've not worked for me. God saw shame when he saw me, not his perfect little girl. I once was, which parentheses, I never actually was. Um, but I had that belief that taint. now I'm just, now I'm really messed up because I messed it up and I'm tainted. And so I walked with that belief for a little bit. And it wasn't until honestly, I was, I thought I was healed from this idea, and yet I was still dealing with it. And Jesus met me right there in a room sharing the gospel with some teenagers. He healed my heart using the very message that I was teaching them. And the God that spoke to me wasn't this big voice in the sky or this God who looked down on me. This was the Jesus. The same Jesus who had suffered extreme heartache and pain, just like I did. This is the Jesus who knew the depth of my sin and died for it anyways. This was the Jesus I loved as a little girl, but I walked away from, or not walked away from, grew apart from. This was the Jesus who sought me out, who knew my past and loved me anyways, and who was drawing me into a relationship with him. So friend, I don't know what your story is. Your background is your testimony is. I don't know everything about you, any of you who are listening, right? But perhaps you can relate to at least one of these thoughts that I shared at some point in your life. You haven't experienced it. You uh, have something holding you back from it, or you have a misconception of what love is. And if you can't, maybe these don't speak to you right now. That's fine. Ask Holy Spirit to bring the thing to mind now. Maybe hard times have Caused you to question his love for you. You wonder why he did or did not allow circumstances to turn out a certain way. We all face dilemmas like this, but I don't want you to live another minute with a single doubt. I don't want another day to pass holding on to pain, trauma, or anything that does not belong to you and was never meant for you, because the exact opposite is available for you, and that is freedom, which is why. Jesus loves me, changes everything. Today, we're going to talk about um, John four. It's our Samaritan woman. And you've probably heard this story several times But the Lord. As I was going through this, showed me different aspects of the story that felt like fresh revelation for me. So I'm sharing it with you today. So to set up the scene in John four earlier in John, because friends, context is important. Always read around the scripture that you're reading. Okay. John is written by his disciple, my Bible boyfriend, John. And I think it's so funny because he always says, John, John, like whom he loves. (laughs) But in this first chapter, we're introduced to Jesus being the word introduced to John. And then Jesus is calling his disciples. Things are rocking and rolling into chapter two as Jesus performs his first miracle of water to wine. And that same chapter, he also flips some tables in the tabernacle. Chapter three, he meets Nicodemus, the Sanhedrin or fancy Jewish leader where he comes at night to see Jesus and ask him questions. He was curious. It's here that Jesus teaches him about being born again. And it's also here where we get our famous John 316 verse from. And then we end chapter three with the disciples baptizing people. And when the disciples got into a conversation with the Pharisees about religious rules, John sets him straight and Jesus bounces. <laughs> Jesus leaves because it wasn't his time to tango with the Pharisees yet. You guys read your Bible. That is Sam's paraphrasing with a little bit of hood language because you love me. Um, but here we are to chapter four and verse four. It tells us that Jesus had to pass through Samaria as he was going from Judea to Galilee. So if you're imagining this with me, Samaria on the map lies directly between Jerusalem In Galilee, Jerusalem's on the bottom, Galilee's on the top, and through Samaria. If you go straight through, it takes three days' time. If you go inland towards the Jordan River, it could take five to seven time days. Excuse me, five to seven days. But if you go towards the Mediterranean Sea on the outside, it could take even more time. So, if you're like me, and you remember that these people are like on donkeys and walking, right? Your girl is not trying to walk for three to five days. I feel like the obvious answer is that you go through Samaria because you want a shortcut. It would literally shave off two days worth of time. But during that time, Jewish people couldn't safely walk through Samaria. They hated Samaritans because they were half Gentile and half Jewish people. They were considered unclean. So knowing all of this, let's dig into our story. In verse four, I love that he pointed this out. He says, it says he had to travel through Samaria. This made me pause as I read this, because what do we mean that Jesus, the son of God had to do something like, why does he have to do anything? (laughs) But this is important to note. The son of God obeys his father. He obeys his father's timing and his will. And in this story, this shows us that Jesus is on a mission. The first point I want to make to us today is that he shows his love by coming to us, Jesus is seeking you out. Just like Jesus is seeking out our woman at the well. Jesus will go out of his way to make a personal connection with you because you are important to him. You matter. In verse five, it says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Pause for just a second. I love that we see a piece of Jesus' humanity because we think of Jesus, the son of God, but he's also very much human. And so here, Jesus is tired. So he sat by the well on purpose, mind you. But just cliff notes, Jesus is human. He's tired. I just love seeing his humanity. Okay, it was about noon. Verse seven, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse eight, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food, pause for pausing. So Jesus is alone. And because he spent his, he sent his disciples to find food. He ends up at the specific, well, at this specific time, which typical Jewish men would not pass through at one of the hotter parts of the day because he had to, okay. He is on a mission and that mission has everything to do with this woman who would then later become the first evangelist. And because he is no respecter of person, meaning what he did for her, he will do for you. We are focused on this story, but the but the Samaritan woman is not the only example we see of Jesus initiating conversation throughout scripture. Like in John 5, we see it with the beggar, and Luke 19, we see it with Zacchaeus, the short tax collector. We see it with the woman caught in adultery and thrown in the street. And even with Simon, Peter, and Andrew, his disciples, when he calls them friends, listen to this Luke 19, 10 for the son of man, which has come to seek and to save that, which was lost in John 1, 4, 8. And he knew you before your mother's womb. He seeks us out. He sees us. He knows us. He seeks you out. Remember this as we move on. Why also, why did I give so much context to a story that a lot of people know in the Bible? (laughs) Because if we casually read this story, we may think it's a casual story or Jesus was just thirsty, big deal. And he happened to make meet this woman and he happened to stop at this well, but there's no happens. (laughs) Jesus doesn't make accidents. There's no coincidences. And this story that's interwoven throughout scripture, Jesus Seeks her out. He is on a mission. And so, if we can see the characteristic of God in the story and apply that to who he is today, we see that he broke stereotypes. He defied social norms to meet with her. He sought her out, and she wasn't even looking for him. She wasn't even looking for him. Guys, I love this so much. What does this show you about God? What does this show you about his character? And what can that mean for us? The second point I want to show is that he revealed himself as the Messiah to this woman and she accepted. In John 4, 13 and 15, we see everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water again. I believe that there was something friends in her heart, whether it was simply curiosity, I believe it was deeper. There was something stirring something inside of her that was so sick and tired of the life that she was living. She was so sick and tired of the status quo. There was a crack in her hard surface. Where his words had started to penetrate. I see the way I've heard this sermon preached several times, um, is that the woman is just like an innocent, I don't know, woman. And the way I picture this woman, and this is just Sam's sanctified imagination here, is I picture her to be tough. Like she's coming, we'll talk about this more, but she's coming in the middle of the day, which is not her normal time. The way she responds to Jesus and the banter that they have is not like a timid woman. I imagine her to be tough. I also imagine her to be calloused, which means her exterior is hard. She's put up walls. She's been hurt, right? Holy Spirit is bringing some things to mind, I think for you and for me. And I believe that it is something that we have the ex- option to exchange with Jesus right now. Maybe it's physical or emotional pain. Maybe it's temptation, anxiety, depression, past trauma. Maybe it's current wounds that haven't healed, marriage trouble, friendship, friendship trouble, being single. Maybe I'm not understanding the season that I'm in. Why am I waiting still, Lord? Right. Maybe even it's hopes and dreams. That just haven't come to fruition. The list goes on, but here's the deal, friend. He pierced her hard, external calloused heart with these words because she was ready to exchange that thing that she was holding onto, that thing for a taste of living water. The giving of Jesus is a guarantee. The receiving on our end is the stumbling block. Receiving is hard. The gift that he has for us is there. It's waiting. It's ready. It's whenever you're ready. It's receiving. That is so hard, especially when we believe we're too far gone. We're too hurt. We're so holding on to these hopes and dreams as if they're ours anyways, or maybe we are too calloused from our past pains and people and church and all the things, right? Perhaps you had faith enough to receive salvation but you're struggling to have faith enough to advance it, to move beyond it. But friends, receiving is not a destination. It's an action, a daily choice that we never cease to do. It's in the receiving that our satisfaction is quenched. He is the same God in this story that he is today. And so the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life, that eternal life is for us still today. The third point I have for us is Jesus loves. Jesus' love speaks the truth. In John 4, 16 to 19, Jesus tells her, go call your husband and come back. Y'all, Jesus already knows. The woman says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. The woman says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. When I first read this a few times, it sounded in my brain like she was being called out. Like Jesus was calling this chick out. He's like, hey, yo, you've had lots of husbands. You're still not with a husband. Like what's the deal? But we know that that isn't true because we know that calling that out in that demeaning way does not match the character of God. So I knew that something had to be off. So let's find some context. When Jesus was telling her to go get her husband, one, it was actually culturally appropriate for their conversation. Unrelated men and women did not often have conversation in public without spouses presence. But also, I believe just like he started to pierce the callousness of her heart, that he wanted to get straight to her pain. Remember, this is Jesus that's on mission. And so he had conversation, but now he's going straight to the point and he wasn't condemning. He wasn't shaming. He was lovingly speaking to the heart of the matter, to the place in her life that she hid the place that hurt the most and probably caused her the most pain and trauma. The reason she went to the well in the afternoon and not in the morning with the rest of the women, like going to the well was social hour for these women. They did it early in the day because it's cooler and it was relaxing and maybe even fun. They went together in a group. And so she's there in the middle of the day because she wants to be alone. (laughs) She doesn't have friends. She doesn't. She is basically what we see from this is an outcast. The reason she didn't have one husband, the emotional part of her life that made her an outcast and the least of these. And this is the reason why she went to the well in the first place in the middle of the day. She has no friends. So why did Jesus go there? Because he needed to break the soil of her heart. He needed to pierce. I don't know about you, but when I had something like that in my life, when I held a sin closely in my life, it's hard. It's calluses. It blocks people off. It's protected. So no one can see it. And it's hidden in this dark place. In order for the living water to flow into those dark places, the soil needs to be broken. And the Holy Sprout is living. The Holy Spirit is moving and living and flooding that place. Jesus calls out our sin in a loving, non-shameful, non-condemning way. True love gets past the walls, gets past the callous, gets past the broken, the trauma, and straight to the heart of the matter. He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be stuck in sin, stuck with that thing. He wants us healed. And whole, like W-H-O-L-E, right? Friends, I want you to hear me when I say this. Jesus isn't phased by our sin. He's not surprised. He's not shocked. There's nothing new under the sun. There's not this new sin that we made up that was going to be like, oh my gosh. But he will call it out to get to you, to allow you to recognize and repent of it. That's what love does. He already knew who she was when he started this conversation. He already knew the situation she was in. And yet he started the conversation with her. We talk about how he sees us, but this shows us that he sees all of us, even the places and spaces that maybe we want hidden. (laughs) He already knew who you are, who you were, what you're dealing with or have dealt with. He already knows it and pursues you anyways. So the choice is up to this woman. It's up to us. What do we do with that now? Jesus also loves us and this woman so much that he's not willing to leave us where he found us. He doesn't want us stuck or dealing with just X, Y, Z, whatever thing, or just okay. Friends, the abundance has nothing to do with money, nothing to do with material things and everything to do with him. It's not a salvation issue. It's after salvation. What does your life look like? What are you willing to give up in exchange for his fullness of his love? That's the abundance. He wants you to be healed, whole, and free. I think the question we have to ask ourselves here is, are we willing to get rid of it? Are we willing to get let go of the things? Are we willing to allow him to love us despite what we've been through? What he's been, what's been done to us? Who's hurt us? What religious checklist we have? Um, what hopes and dreams haven't come to fruition yet? Are we willing? to allow him to love us through it. The last point I have for us sister friends today is that his love is bigger than just us. An encounter with Jesus changes everything. It's not just about you. Sorry, it's not. He picked this woman, not just for her to get saved, though that is enough. And I believe he would do just that. But God is so much bigger and he knows the entire plan and is greater than just us. And so what I love about this woman is her response to all of this. She could have been offended. She, she could have, she could have been like, dude, you just, you saw a part of me that I wasn't willing to let you see. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. She could have walked away. She could have hated him. She could have chose to love her sin more than God. Whoops. Right. But let's read in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Friends, she was so excited that she left the dang water pot. (laughs) But further we read in 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Y'all, I caught something again this time that I haven't seen before. So remember in the beginning of this passage, she's an outcast. She's a loner. She she was shamed. She was filling up water in the middle of the day by herself. She has five husbands. The current one she's not with, right? All of these things. She was the least of these. She was an outcast. But yet. Here it says that she ran to town to tell the people, the same people that made her feel like crap, the same people who outcasted her because that's how excited she was. That is what an encounter with Jesus had done for her. She told everyone, regardless of her previous experience with them. And not only did she go run and tell them, but they listened. They knew who this woman was before she met Jesus. They needed to see for themselves who this man was. Friends, there are people that are going to hurt you, that are going to shame you, that are going to cast you and gossip about you, all the things, right? Fill in the blanks. We've all had it. But this woman had such an encounter and experience with Jesus Christ. She didn't care what they had done to them. She ran and spread the good news anyways. She ran and spread it in the same town that she was an outcast in as a woman. that just, man, that is so hard, but I love it. It's why she was the first evangelist. It's why she, she, we know that her encounter was so real because she went back to the very same people who hurt her. That's what God done had done in her life. And so what now, like, how do we move forward with this? Well, one of the ways is we say yes to his love. We accept it as a gift. And then we walk out in his love, which looks like healing. And it looks like freedom. And this gift that we've been given should flow into the overflow of our lives and into the lives of other people. We run back to town and tell everyone and their mom what the Lord has done for us. So friends, I um, am praying for you. I am excited to hear your response to this episode and I hope you loved it as much as I did and learned and just sat with God, sit with him, ask him to show you the thing, the thing that maybe has is hidden. Maybe the thing that's callous, maybe the thing, even that is so good. It could be a good thing to y'all. It's so good, but you're clenching it because you want it to to happen so bad that you're not willing to surrender it because you don't know the outcome, right? So sit with God ask him to show you holy spirit show us what is the thing that is preventing us from fully accepting living and walking out and the abundance of his love that he has for us all right friends until next time friend i hope you were blessed by this episode thank you so much for tuning in before you go quick things one can you follow us on social i would love to get social with you instagram facebook tiktok and youtube all have the username abundant woman co come say hi Also, we have a free Facebook community that has women just like you building community, going after Jesus, and just making connections. Come join us there. I can't wait to meet you. And last, I would love if you could screenshot this episode and share it on your socials for a chance to be featured. Until next time.